Welcome to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today it's spring. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. It's Baltimore. The weather is extremely varied. Tomorrow it could be anything. <laughs> We're in the seventh of our 18 seasons of the year. Yeah, and, right. and we want to cook. Yeah, I was just talking to one of my cooks about it the other day. I'm like, because... One of our kitchens tends to be unbelievably hot uh, as it gets hotter outside, and we're all so thrilled that it's not hot yet. <laughs> it, yeah, no. Yep, it's good. Not um, so bad. Yeah, spring. I mean, you know, there's there's things are happening, even though it has been a little bit cool this spring, but we are starting to see, you know, we've got our first asparagus, thanks to you, Tony, and the farmer, uh, farmer for growing it. And the farmer does a for, lot more work. I just yeah, yeah, tote it. Yeah, you drive all the way there and get it. It's so exciting. Oh, my gosh, and it's so good. I cannot, so, I mean, I swear it's the best it's ever been. It is it, sweet and good. You know what I mean. It's sweet and, you know, it's not that tends to be horseradishy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh, my gosh, it's so good. It's perfect. So to go with perfection, <laughs> we wanted to talk about mm-hmm. all of those things that you like to eat, that you want to eat, that you want to cook, but maybe you don't always cook or can't always source for home. Maybe it's a special... Uh, dinner, whether you have friends over or you want to do a thing with the family or whatever it might be, what makes it special? We're in the time of the year when you think about lamb, we're in the time of the year when you think about rabbits just recently. Right. Um, because now it's okay to cook the rabbit since, you know, that holiday's over. That's, that's I try not to cook rabbit around that holiday I like because uh, with little children holiday. screaming and running out of the restaurant. I've been eating little chocolate <laughs> rabbits my entire life. Eating real ones is good too. <laughs> So I love let, rabbit. Let's let's spend a little bit of time on lamb because that's the first thing that sort of popped up for us. Well, and and the right word is navarin, right, Tony? Navarin. Navarin. Yep. Daniel. It just means spring lamb, so it's yeah. perfect, and it's so fun because with all the wonderful things we're getting, we have fresh English peas. We can get fava beans right now. You know, obviously the asparagus. I mean, it's just so wonderful to have like that whole just big old plate of awesome green vegetables, you know, and just cook them, you know, until they're al dente and highly salted water. Any green vegetable wants that. Don't overload your pot. Let the, the you know, boil recover quickly. That's how you cook a vegetable really well. What lamb dish would you like to talk about that, that people can easily make at home? Okay. Um if you don't want to do, you know, go that Navarin way with all the green veg, I think what's really fun is we have a lot of local ca- baby carrots locally right now. And um, they're so good. Their sugar content is high. So um, I, I know the markets are open now, so hopefully you can get them. And uh, one of my favorites is Adelaide. comes from Karma Farm. And um, they're just little guys. They're like the size of my little finger, basically. They can be a little bit fatter than that, maybe um, and a little bit longer. But I like to peel them. I leave the tops on because they're good and they look cute. And um, we roast them very simply with corn oil and salt and pepper. And until they're starting to be tender, you don't want them to be too crunchy. I mean, that's not really appealing. I mean, you know, sometimes we take al dente too far. Um, Al dente means firm to the bite. You don't want it to be undercooked, but you do want it to have some body to it. And, um, you know, and almost more from the standpoint that it's it's healthier to eat a vegetable that's not overcooked. And also, um, you know, it just gives more interest because there's more texture on the palate, you know, from sort of 
a little bit more cooked to less cooked, and that's fun to eat. Um, and you know, when we're we're thinking about food, we're always thinking about things that have different textures and different levels of acid or fat or well, whatever to balance things. Various juxtapositions of things that make dishes interesting. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've, I've been working with roasted carrots and also we've been making our carrot puree, which is one of my favorite things. Um, we make two different carrot purees. One is we actually boil the carrots in water with a little bit of salt, sugar, um, and uh, a touch of passion fruit puree, just a little bit in the water. That's, and then, a, that's a big cheat. Oh, it's so great. And then we puree it in the blender. So we have a high-speed blender that purees things into oblivion. And it's an interesting texture because when you puree the carrot, um, it, it almost, in those kinds of blenders, it almost gives a mousse-like texture uh, without adding any cream or anything. So we just add a touch of butter, a touch of honey, a little bit of madras curry, and salt pepper. And if we feel it, it needs a little sugar. Usually it doesn't because the honey takes its you know place. Um, but that can be really pretty. And then another way we make... Um, uh, is with fresh orange juice and uh, and not the passion fruit um, and uh, a little bit of salt sugar. And, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want, but it's it's that it's it's that do you want to go the passion fruit way or do you want to go the curry way? And um, it can be just really wonderful. You can also rice them in a food mill, which gives you a totally different texture. So that's a lot of fun to do. So you can and maybe you don't have a blender. So you can so go either way and make uh, a carrot puree. I'm assuming a carrot puree is a good landing place for particular cut of lamb cooked a particular way. So I, what would I, you do? I like braised lamb with that carrot puree. So, you know, say you're going to braise a shoulder and um, it's a big piece of meat. It feeds a lot of people. Um, you know, our costs are really up in the air right now. So um, yeah, everybody's food costs. Yeah, are. it's crazy. And uh, so I know people, folks have to be looking for less expensive cuts to use at home. And that is something that's less expensive. Um, obviously, it's not a primal cut like a lamb tenderloin or a lamb rack or a lamb loin. Uh, but the lamb shoulder, braise it, you know, sear it, sear it nicely, add, add mirepoix, you know, uh, stock if you've got it, and um, aromatics, bay leaf, peppercorn, you know, something very simple. You can add all kinds of other things to that, but that's the simplest way to braise something. And then, yeah, those just those beautiful tender pieces of lamb shoulder with that carrot puree and maybe a little bit of roasted cipollini onions or pearl onions or roasted shallots, uh, or you could caramelize some onions and put it on the plate, especially with that carrot puree. Uh, and, um, you know, just have that, bring that sauce down to, uh, you can either thicken it with a roux or you can bring it down as a natural reduction and uh, have a beautiful sauce on the plate. And, and you know, you could add English peas to that. You could certainly add your fava beans to that that we were just talking about or garnish with the asparagus. I mean, there's so many, you know, there's so many pretty things right now. You know, I know you like some of the other things that grow wild, so I'll let you talk about those. Well, lamb has strong flavor. Mm-hmm. The appeal of lamb that is has strong flavor, that's also why sometimes there's fear of lamb uh, because it has strong mm-hmm. flavor. And source is a big deal. Sure. And source and age of the animal is a big deal. The smaller it is, the milder it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the diet is is going to dictate also for sure. Um, usually you think of lamb in the springtime as being smaller and being a little bit more mild and tender. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the carrot puree is, is definitely a sweet thing. And I, my instinct would be to put something a little bit bitter, like the favas you talked about mm-hmm. putting with that would be interesting. Wine-wise, because my brain's never going to stray that far <laughs> from there, wine-wise, lamb wants something with a lot of flavor. But a braised piece like that is not going to be that fatty. No. Right. And it's going to have good, intense flavor. And the garnish you have on the plate has some level of natural sweetness to it. 
So that's this is this is one for you. Just the right pairing for that dish is Chateauneuf de Pop. Oh, good, yay! <laughs> I know that's that's an, an old good. good friend of yours. That was a is an old good friend. Yeah. So, but yeah, wines from Chateauneuf de Pop, and you're in strong vintages, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen are all strong vintages. So I just came from the restaurant making lamb sausage, and I'm super excited about it. So that's really inexpensive. I mean, that's a really good thing for, for, for so folks what, to make at home what, right now. what cut did you buy so to, to grind? So it was a ground leg of lamb, but you don't have to have leg of lamb. You, you can just let them grind trim, you know, uh, grind their trim, which is usually what a grocery has. Um, but mine was ground leg of lamb, and it was Alicia Fields, which is going to be the most expensive ground lamb you could possibly work with, but that's how I work. That's And um, it's incredible. <laughs> that's how you work. That's how I Very work. Expensively. I'm looking for the best product <laughs> and not necessarily the most expensive, but just the best product. And Elysian Fields is a great farm. All I do is mix a little bit of chili powder, tiny bit of saffron, which you don't have to do, um, cayenne pepper, a little bit of Tabasco, and then real, a lot of really finely chopped onion, which is super important, whole eggs, and a little bit of panko and salt and pepper. So you, you want. So to this is this is like a Marielle style sausage. Almost, yeah. I mean, yeah. probably not traditional spices, you, but you, you missed you missed in the one chili. Right, exactly. So I just used the chili powder because I happen to love chili powder and it works. And um, yeah, so it's it's really oh, it's so good. And then you just sort of have to work it almost like you do bread. Um, you knead it with your hand after you mix everything in a bowl and then just form it into patties. You don't have to put it into a casing. That's awfully complicated, you know, for someone at home. So I just form it into cakes and uh, we can grill them or you can sear them and roast them or you can grill and roast either way, all, all the above. There's so many ways you could serve that. You could serve it with saffron basmati rice or, you know, uh, a regular rice dish, something with Tabasco. You could set it up like a burger. You could set it <laughs> You could definitely. That's, it's funny and because when it, I made it today, the cooks were like, are you going to put that in a casing? Oh, you're making hamburger patties. I'm like, yeah, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> well, that's, that, that to huge. me is like, take, take that, put, <laughs> put some good chilies on there, okay. uh, lots of crunchy veg, some cucumber. Yeah. You know, some Yummy. cucumbers, sweet peppers, hot peppers. You know, a little garlicky aioli. Mm-hmm. There you and, go. Uh, yeah. That's a good dinner. Right. There's a yes, lot of ma'am. stuff. You can, a lot of ways you can serve it. Potatoes, rice, bread, bun, whatever. But, yeah, it's fun. And, it's and you know, and you can do that with other ground meat, too, but we're talking about lamb. So I just yeah. wanted to bring that up because, especially since I just made it, and it was quite tasty. That's a, that's a that particular dish that I robbed from you and just described as being a really fantastic <laughs> spicy burger. <laughs> I would really want red Zinfandel for. That would okay. be fun. All right, so we're moving on to the yeah the lamb ragu. Yeah, well, good. That's so. I often talk about when making pasta, making a ragu, and the 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 way that I learned literally is from a friend of mine's Nona, his grandma, um, and takes time. It's one of those things that, like, I made a ragu on Sunday, and got up last Sunday. And got up at six thirty in the morning to mm. get it started. Well, yep. And so it, and I'll try to give quantities because this is a decent, like if you're making something for six eight people, this is a good this is a good quantity. So you need about a pound. Lamb top round is a good one to use. the The stronger the meat for the ragu, the little bit larger you want the cut. the The more delicate, like veal, you want it all but ground. But you, but okay. a ragu necessitates cutting something with a knife. 
It's not something that you add ground meat to. Right. You don't put it through a grinder. You right. actually cut it by hand. Yeah. Got that's, it. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a big That's a big difference. Ethic. Yeah. Well, it's the difference between making a ragu and making a sausage. Yeah. Quite frankly, just what, or, what, what or, I described. Or just making a meat sauce of some yeah. kind. Yeah. So the top round is, is easy and relatively lean for lamb. Not a lot of trim to fool with. Mm-hmm. And honestly, pretty easy to slice in half the long way, like a bread boule. <laughs> and then and then slice it thin, and then get yeah. and get little cubes out of it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it really is not. That's not exactly the toughest uh, operation. Uh, but doing that, getting that good and brown and a, and a good sized, and you need a really pretty good sized heavy bottom pan, mm-hmm. like a big cruze or, or a stove, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ceramic coated cast iron. Get that good and brown, uh, just a neutral oil, canola or something. Um, give it a little bit of seasoning as it browns, and you'll see it kind of steam out a little bit of the water that it needs to. Yeah. Um, and then you add a, a good bit of mirepoix. So that's probably Finely for that chopped, quantity. Same size as the meat? Fi- or finer? A, a, a little bigger. Oh, A little okay. bigger. Right. Um, because it's going to shrink down. A little be, bit bigger. A little bit bigger. Okay. So if, you, if you're like a medium, if you're, if you're a small dice with the meat, Maybe you're a medium dice with uh, the veg because it's got to stand up for some time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're going to add it back to make it. A ragu is right. never cute. You know, it's never going to be the thing that you add the other little pretty thing to it. It's just like it's there from the beginning. hours of work to make happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so the mirepoix, so carrots, celery, onion, you, you want probably a cup and a half of uh, the onion probably a cup of a carrot and maybe three quarters of a cup of the celery that's there mm-hmm. when you throw that in and that begins to to even color just a little bit then you you add both and for me it's tomato sauce that we put up you could just use crushed tomato and then and that requires more seasoning but for us it's just tomato basil sauce that's put up very lightly I mean beautiful stuff but that that tomato sauce for that quantity of meat and 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 veg, I would add a quart of sauce, mm-hmm. and it's going to reduce some. Right? Are you adding any herbs or anything? Yeah. So let that sauce get in there and begin to take on a little bit of let the flavor. It of the get lamb. in there. Yeah. Let it seriously. <laughs> it's going to pick up a lot of the yeah. brown business from the lamb oh, and all yeah. that kind of business. Mm-hmm. You want the acid to do that on the sauce. It's. V- you also. I'm also going to add a quart of white chicken stock. Okay. I was going to say, isn't there any wine in there? I'd there be surprised is. if you don't there, put wine there, in. There is wine All in right. There. It's coming. There is wine in there. <laughs> There's about a, a, a half a cup of Barbetta going in there, mm. Okay, yeah, which I mean, also has good acidity. And all that acid starts to break down that lamb. And uh, dried herbs, and again, like from the summertime, we'll dry lots of bas- a lot of dried basil that's really good quality, oregano, uh, a little rosemary that's dried and then a couple of big sprigs of rosemary goes in that ragu fresh you mean fresh okay and nice and oily that has that very very like piney scent uh you want that oh by the way with the with the mirepoix i totally neglected an important thing uh probably three nice pieces of garlic uh okay crushed and and uh, very finely brunoised and it goes in with the onion and the carrot and the celery all right this is kind of an involved recipe, isn't it? <laughs> we should give you a cliffhanger on the ragu <laughs> recipe and come back 
on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine on WIPR. And we'll wrap up the ragu recipe. All right. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, we stopped. I know, it's so exciting. It's like a cliffhanger. We stopped mid-record. What's well, a long time? You know, I'm already... I'm, I'm Anything already, that's good takes... It, I, I always, again, say to my cooks, it's worth the effort. It takes care. You know how much I care about any kind of brazato, right? Mm-hmm. So here you have this cauldron to recap, <laughs> right? You, you, you have this cauldron. You have this cauldron All right. with that quart of tomato sauce, the quart of chicken stock, the browned lamb, all the mirepoix, the garlic, uh, all the herbs, right? The half cup barbera, don't forget that. Mm. I'll be drinking the rest of it. And then, honestly, the rest of the way, you just reduce it. Mm. And as it's once it's started to reduce a decent amount, you can either, A, slide a Calabrian chili in there for foam. yes, please. And it will just kind of leach out some spice from that. Or add cracked pepper, and then you just you season it with with salt. But you don't have to go crazy. No. If you cook your if you cook your pasta, and in the case of this ragu, it was gnocchi. Um, mm, so it was about as nice. comfort about as comfort as you can get. Yummy. But w- what you end up with is something that's relatively tight, uh, and what began in the, as a cauldron, after probably an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, maybe a little more, has come down to something that. Is is rich and meaty, and the acid has done its job in the tomato and the wine. And there's a lot of sweetness because of all the onion that's in there, you know, and 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 the rosemary perfumes it clearly through. And the gnocchi because it it's been in there from the beginning. The gnocchi is a good foil for that. Oh yeah, well that's so little. I mean, really, it's a dumpling. It's a pasta dumpling. Yeah. That uh, with with potato and and ricotta in the dough. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of ricotta, just a small cheat. Very good. And then um, some ragu in a pot. You did it. Gnocchi in the pot. Sounds good. It's a good Sunday, Tony. Big fat glass of Barolo. <laughs> Your day is improved. That sounds fantastic. So everyone's day is improved. Fantastic. Well, the thing that's nice about that kind of thing is like you did all the work. You could just lay out nice antipasti ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Asparagus, we've been talking about this time of the year. You know, that, that and so on and so on and so on. And just... Serve this. Easy comfort. You don't have to fool around plating. It's going to be hot. And it's not expensive. It's not a big piece of money. No. No. Right. And it's also, I mean, very easy to, if you make that entire recipe and you only have four people, save the rest. Mm -hmm. It will make the best sloppy joe of your entire life. (laughs) You're always sandwichy. I I am always sandwichy. sandwichy. I can't help it. All right. I'm an American boy. We should talk about duck. Let's talk about duck. Let's do that. All right. All right. Let's talk duck. I think one of the big <laughs> biggest things is making sure the skin is crispy, right? That's what everybody loves. Now, you're talking about 
the f- whole duck? You're talking about duck breast? You're talking about uh, a whole duck, duck leg? Du- all of it. You want so crispy on all yeah, of so it. That, so, so talk about all sure. three cuts and kind of what you want to do with them. And different kinds of duck, too, because you can find different kinds of duck in the market these okay. days. Well, that's for sure. So let's start off with the Millard. And, uh, you know, those ducks are just... They have a nice amount of fat on the outside. They have great flavor. That is where we get our foie gras. Uh, so it's it's a it's a wonderful bird to roast, and um, you can lightly score the fat, salt and pepper the outside. I mean, you can again, you know, there's so many different things you can do, but just at least basically that's what you want to do. And you want to put something in the cavity besides salt and pepper. You know, preferably maybe mirepoix or uh, some more fresh herbs. You can always put orange slices in there, um, but something in the cavity and certainly the salt and pepper. And you want to rub all that into it nicely, you know, kind of spend some time with the bird doing that. And then roasting. Just like you, like you season anything, you're kind of doing a, a seasoning massage. Exactly. Inside exactly. and out. Right. Yep. And you do obviously want to wash it first in, in cold water and dry it, pat it dry with a couple of paper towels. Before you season. Before you season. Yes, please. And then uh, roasting, you know, starting off at, let's say, 300 degrees, uh, Ducks, you know, and again, it depends on how you want it to be cooked. But I think when we roast a duck, we tend to think of it as being cooked all the way through. Um, you know, so let's say the legs need to be clear of juice. So, you know, that usually means the breast is medium well by that point because it does cook faster uh, cook faster than the legs and the thigh. And, um, you know, and, and you want to rest it nicely like you do any piece of large meat um, before you begin slicing. And, uh, you know, and that's it, really. Um, you know, you can obviously make a great sauce with the pan juices, and there's a million things you can serve that with. But you can also confit the legs or braise the legs either way. The legs are the least expensive part of the duck. So if you just want to buy duck legs uh, because you're concerned about the price of the breasts, um, and certainly foie gras is the, one of the most expensive uh, things you can work with, um, the legs are going to be a little bit more viable for you. And confiting them is, is a really great way to serve the leg. It, they're just so incredibly delicious that way, which is, of course, slow-cooked, immersed in fat, and really should be duck fat, which you can also buy from the same place where you're buying your ducks. Or you can sear them, braise them, slow-cook them in stock. And um, and then, obviously, with the breast on a magre, you can score that fat, again, salt and pepper it, and begin to render what we say render the, the fat side in a, a stainless, excuse me, a steel pan. Uh, you could use a cast iron pan. Those pans are great for um, rendering the fat out. You can remove the fat as you're rendering so that it's a little bit less dangerous to work with, and that fat can be used for a lot of other things. And those particular duck breasts are much larger, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. They're often, what, 14 ounces? 14, 16 ounces. 16 yeah. ounces. Yes. And that texture, unlike lots of ducks, mm-hmm. that texture is more beefy, meaty. Right. So you you would want that probably at the temperature you want. If you're going to cook it, you want it at the temperature that you want your beef mm-hmm. most likely, or okay. maybe a little bit less than Right. So medium rare is cases. ideal. Medium is really great as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just really changes as you go up in temperature. So just be, you know, recognize that. Yeah, that is definitely something you want. That's why it's nice to have just the breast um, because you can then eat it the way that it should be eaten, which is medium rare. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's a, a, you know, that's the Millard duck. We have been using Rohan ducks, which has a much smaller breast, a much less much less fat, and they are sweet. Oh, my goodness. These ducks are so good. Well, it's not as beefy a flavor. Right. It's, it's, it's 
Yeah, much. It's just, yeah, more bird-like, it's, you know. Frankly, it's it, it's not, you're almost surprised it's a red meat bird. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, oh, it's more like a pink meat bird. Yep, and they are they are they're mild and right. they're so 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 good. And you know, if you're looking for a supplier, you can buy through D'Artagnan online. So that is a great, and that's where I buy my Rohan ducks. Mm. So I assume you can buy them online as well, um, and you can buy the Magre and the and the uh, Moulard ducks there as well. So those are two that I like to work with. Do you have? Um, is there any other kind of duck that you like, or those are your those are some of your favorites too, probably? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. absolutely. That's yeah. the Rohan duck. All I ever want to do is just in the wintertime stuff it with chestnuts. <laughs> you know. Mm. It's just chestnuts, mushrooms and pears. Those are the things I always want with the Rohan duck. The doing doing a, a like a pear and like when arugula comes mm-hmm. and it's spicy and, and doing the very first pears of like Asian pears, do a crunchy salad and then thin slices of that Beautiful. Of that duck breast, you know, warm on that salad uh, in a heartbeat. And speaking of that, you know, what we're in season with now, we're starting to get our first rhubarb, uh, not not locally, but from other parts of the country. And, oh, my goodness, the rhubarb. And you brought us fresh strawberries, so we made a rhubarb and strawberry compote just last night. Oh, Strawberries are spectacular. Really good. Yeah, I had strawberries. and Honestly, I had a memory of my mother this morning. I, I haven't had this since I was a kid. I had fresh those fresh strawberries and powdered sugar. Uh, for breakfast this morning. I mean, that that was, <laughs> I, I could just see my mom sitting across the table from me. That was one of, I don't know if that's Pennsylvania Dutch or just the way she grew up or what, but, oh. So the, these strawberries are coming out of Virginia mm-hmm. and they are always spectacular. Then this particular farmer grows like eight different varieties. So they come in waves and they're all a little bit different from one another. And these first are always big and sweet tart and very perfumey. Yeah. My eight-year-old made me a smoothie <laughs> with them, with like a dozen strawberries, a couple of spoons of, of Greek yogurt, uh, probably half a cup of milk, a bunch of ice, a little honey. That sounds good. You know, put it on the Vita Prep and and like my child made me a smoothie. I couldn't <laughs> believe that. That's nice. Yeah, they're really good. So that's that's great with ducks, something like that. You know, the, the, not the, the smoothie, summer. but strawberries. No, the yeah. the, the strawberry and rhubarb <laughs> compote. <laughs> Which there are a couple of different ways you can make that, but just very quickly, I like to do port and red wine, and with rhubarb, you have to add sugar. I mean, or some sort of sweetener, um, because uh, rhubarb is very very tart. And uh, unless you like really tart things, and um, yeah, and I like to put a little star anise and cinnamon in when I cook down the. The port and the red wine. And some fresh orange juice is nice in there, too. Or you can just slow cook it with a little sugar. I mean, there are different ways no you wine, can— No wine. No wine at all from you. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> how about how about one of the sweeter Madeiras, like a little Momsy? That there? would be delicious. That would be delicious. See? I would love that. See? Yep, yep. With duck, it's funny. We talked about those two, those two principal ducks that you like to work with and that we both like to work with. Wine is easy to me. If it's if it's the moulard, the, the the bigger, heavier breast and legs that have stronger flavor and they're they're bloodier, they Bordeaux grapes. Hmm. So Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Malbec, um but and frankly just Bordeaux and wines from the southwest, like uh, southwest of France, like Cahors or Madiran, those do really well uh, with with that sort of duck. If it's the Rohan it's a little lighter. It doesn't require that amount of tannin. It's nice to have something that has some lift to it. Um, 
Pinot. Pinot Noir can be terrific. Um, Syrah can also work if it's not too muscular. So it uh, depends upon the preparation. Like if you're going mushrooms with the Rohan duck, I would say maybe look at uh, Corroti or San Joseph or something like that, Syrah from, from France. If it's uh, a fruity prep, then maybe it's a Russian River Valley producer like Dellinger. Okay. Or, you know, mm. something along those lines. That's or nice. even an Argan Syrah. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, but that, that gives you an idea. So what's your favorite rabbit prep? I like tureens. I like cold oh, yeah. rabbit. Yeah. Oh, I, it, that's honestly, mm-hmm. it, it's it's delicate and sweet and and it's it's such a perfect foil for all sorts of fun things to stud it with, like pistachios or green peppercorns. You know, that's old fashioned. Yeah, it that sounds like I'm old fashioned. <laughs> that, that, that Come on, back, doesn't it? Green I, pepper don't, I mean, don't you think I made? You well, know, yeah, of course. 8, of course. of those it's things. So, that, 1970, 1980, green that, peppercorn sauce. Uh, also, rabbit rillette. Oh, that's, I love rabbit. Oh, oh so, yeah. Yep. Do you want to talk about making a rillette? Because rillette is not as difficult as making a terrine. Right. It's not the, because the trick with rabbits is not that much fat. Well, you can either you can either braise the rabbit for for that or you could even roast it but really braising it is the way to go because you want the meat to be really moist and tender um, and yeah it's just a matter of if you braise the rabbit then you pull the meat off the bone obviously and you you, you just basically you're shredding it Yeah, and um, you can do that in the food processor. You, you know what when I've done that mm. braise it for a while till it's almost ready to fall apart and then go on a pot um, with if you if if you're weirdo like me and you save animal fats like my great-grandmother, mm-hmm. if you save some schmaltz, some chicken fat, yeah, that's what you want in the rillette. That's the, like, you can use butter and it's good, yeah. but the schmaltz is, has great flavor. Or, or fat from guinea fowl, okay. white oh, meat yeah. birds. It's, nice. it's, it's just the, like the right strength of flavor for yeah. the, the rabbit. Yeah. And uh, you put that in some oil in, in the heavy pan, put that braised piece in there, um, garlic, shallot, onion if you want. But it's really garlic and shallot mm-hmm. is what I would do. Mm-hmm. And you just begin to kind of, as it sears, like all over again, you just begin to pull it. Yeah, you okay. just be, You just begin to pull it. And a little bit of the stock that you use, you just slowly add a little bit of the stock and yeah. you pull it. I like a little stock in that, there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then add a little bit of white wine. But it's 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 meant to have fat in it. It's meant to have fat. It's not right. meant to have the stock. So And then you... And, would you you would you use the stock to kind of like steam out and keep it from burning? It, and, well, and it gives it some moisture that it really kind of needs. But the fat, it's really supposed to be just the shredded meat and the garlic and the fat and seasoning, salt and pepper, yeah. whatever. But yeah, and it's I mean it's a way of preserving something. So that's you know it's meant to have a layer of fat on top of it, quite yeah. frankly, to cover it. But so that, that just it's like little simple to, baguette toast. Oh, and, rabbit, I love and cornichon. And cornichon. Oh, and whole grain a, mustard. A glass of Alsace Pinot Blanc. Oh, so good. You know, I love little ra- sunshine. I love Riette. I was thinking about Rabbits dancing around the garden, tempting you to <laughs> the oh, next meal. <laughs> when we come back on Formidable Phone Food and Wine, something a little less bucolic, it's going to be a chef's challenge. It's about it's, time, it's Tony. It's been a little while. It has. I hope you're ready for the pain. Bring him back the chef challenge. I hope you're ready for the pain. <laughs> <laughs> on Formidable Phone Food and Wine on WIPR.
Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. I hope you had a good breakfast. I hope you're ready, Tony, because this is just going to be just I'm, such a challenge for you. As, as so we should as, talk about the the what a chef challenge is because it's been like we, two yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a we, we we boycotted it during the pandemic, haven't yep, we? Yep, the pandemic. Yes. So, so. Uh, well, the idea is that Tony doesn't ever like to follow is that you're supposed to only make the food with what's on the page. The ingredients listed. So that is the idea. If listeners could see my face, they would see how deeply offended I am <laughs> into my bones. You always have to fool around with the rules. That's the rule. But I'm not fooling around with the okay, rules. Okay, so let's get started. You don't. If you, you don't give first, sufficient Tony. ingredients Here to make go, something decent, <laughs> that's geez, all you get, Louise. Tony. But you'll notice the first words at the top. Oh my God! Which says "full right, pantry." Let me get my reading glasses. Which all he's. Right. I've given him a full a pantry. Break. All right. Thanks for the breaks then. Mm. Let's see. Asparagus, pork shoulder, garlic, shallot, carrot, celery, onion, butter, extra virgin olive oil, ramps. (laughs) Um, uh, Chicken VL stock. Chicken and veal stock. Oh, chicken and veal stock. Okay. (laughs) Scallops, parsnips, fingerling potatoes, mustard greens. All right. That's easy. Well, the pork shoulder wants the mustard greens. And the ramps pretty badly. So what I want to do is I want to grill those ramps, uh, set them aside next to virgin olive oil, and let them uh, cool in that oil and give a lot of perfume to that. If in my pantry I have a little bit of other seasonings, like cumin, for example. I've given you an outlet, yes. I, I would I would toast a couple of cumin full seeds. Pantry, so I've given I would toast you. a couple of cumin seeds, mm-hmm. and i put them in that same oil. Okay. So I have somebody to dress a pork shoulder with. Um, give me that stock. I wonder what I'm going to do with that. Um, let's see. Pork shoulder needs to get braised. You have you've given me the carrot and celery and the onion to do that, uh, and I do have the the stock to braise it in, which is great. Uh, is there wine in my pantry? Yes. Great. Wine, vinegar, oils, spices. Well, the wine in my pantry that I want is Dolcetto, and. Uh, Dolcetto probably one tenth of the braising liquid with a pork shoulder. The pork shoulder is going to get seasoned well, uh, browned really well in the pan. I do want to roll it around in the fat that comes out of that pork shoulder as well uh, before I add the um, the carrot, celery, onion, uh, add some garlic and some shallot. Not all that I have because then I would be out of them uh, <laughs> to uh, to the dish. I think it's going to be all about fingerling potatoes uh, as a as a mash with the skins on, but sort of like you know I like to do the olive oil smashed potatoes, but I'll braise some mustard greens as well, and I'll braise them with a decent amount of shallot and uh, and some white wine vinegar from the pantry because mm-hmm. it's there. Yep, and uh, and some mustard seeds, and get that to where it's soft but not like tearing apart, not completely, not flavorless. You know, I want them to still have a little bit of zip. And then when the potatoes are done, extra virgin olive oil, sea salt, and at the very end, fold in the mustard greens. So you get kind of a 
spectacular, messy, colorful, you know, bit of business. That's a landing place for big old knuckles that you pull off that pork shoulder. And the liquid is really easy to reduce into a sauce if you want to. Yeah, those things go together so well. Yeah, so that's that's kind of an easy. Then I have scallops to play with. Oh, and I have the, the ramps, uh, that that ramp oil, the ramps and the ramp oil to to dress the slice with. It'd be nice. So outside. you're going to heat it and add it, or no cold or no cold. Okay, cold just room temp over the meat. Room temp over the meat. Okay, just over the meat. Good. It's like you know when you open it up and you have one of those nice like open white. What would you say ramps taste like? Uh, like ill-tempered young garlic, <laughs> if All that right. makes sense. Yep, I, and sort of lettucey. It's, it's why I like to cook them. Yeah, the, you can you can like feel the, the green greens. Yeah, yeah, you can feel the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that leaves me scallops and parsnips. Uh, parsnips, I want to make a puree. And asparagus. And asparagus, yeah. Parsnips, I want to make a puree. I'll need a little bit of fingerling for that as well. So I'll have to reserve a little bit of that. So parsnip and fingling potato puree? Yep. With a little Did bit I of give you what, what's in there? Sweated shallot. I didn't say you had cream. No, you didn't. Uh-huh. I don't need cream. It's not in the pantry. That's why I need the potato. <laughs> what's in there then? The potato, it's cooking water. Mm-hmm. Um, the parsnips. The parsnips. Uh, the parsnips need to be riced because they're so stringy that they'll they'll mess the entire thing up, you know? Yeah. And you, you have to work it with a potato to make the potato starch come out. And uh, and you just, you need some fat. So maybe this, maybe I reserved a little bit of pork fat from the shoulder or something like that. Might be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, it would give me no dairy. So, um, but yeah, I just want to, basically a schmear of the puree <laughs> on the plate, you know. <laughs> and uh, I want to see the scallops. Honestly, cut the scallops in half. Uh, after you sear them horizontally, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, so that you, you so that you have many little pieces of scallops. So the plate has the schmear, many little pieces of scallops, and then big droopy, skinny, you know, like half slices of asparagus that were grilled, like quick, as a garnish for that. And you give me no lemon or anything like that. But that's that's what I that's what I would want. If I like, like if you, you were gone, it. if you were gone, and I broke into your house, I would get a lemon. Hey, 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 hey! That's not anyway, a proper right. chef challenge. All right. Do you remember when we went to Italy and had wild asparagus? I did. I will never forget that I as do. long as I live. Yeah. That was, it was so delicious. Long, super long, tiny, thin asparagus. Do you know what else is delicious? No. My handwriting. <laughs> Be excited. <laughs> All right. So fresh English peas, sorrel, spring onions, rosemary. Guinea fowl whole, which is awesome. Garlic, uh, chickpeas, honey, calabresa, salami, day-old baguette, fresh, uh uh-oh, something. Onion, garlic, shallot, dairy, oils, and spices. Fresh, what is that word, Tony? Um, All right, let me think. Fresh mints. Mint. Uh, um, Wow. Your teachers in school must have really had a hard time. The nuns love me. The... (laughs) The guinea fowl, I'm super excited about because uh, you and I both love working with guinea fowl. And it's such a great bird because it's not a 
And it's one of the things that not everybody cooks at home all the time. Well, that's right, along with the it's on, theory it's on of the theme. show. It's on theme. All right. So guinea fowl is a white bird. So it's not like, you know, ma gray that's this bloody bird. Sorry for putting it that way, but that's just the way it is. It's really um, sweeter and prettier. So It, it uh, also has really good has fat great under the skin. Gore- it has golden fat. It has nuggets of golden yeah. fat that's just like, oh, thank you, yep. Mother Nature, for giving this bird this stuff. And um, yeah, so roast the guinea fowl again, you know, Wash it, dry it, salt and pepper. And with guinea fowl, I would put mirepoix in the cat. Wait a minute, do I have mirepoix? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, onions and shallots in the cavity. And um, yeah, just season it, get it roasting. You want it to get crispy on the outside. So during the cooking process, if you want, turn up, uh, turn it up a little bit high in the beginning to get that skin going, and then turn it down so it roasts at a normal temperature, like 325. And then I have rosemary here, so I would like to put a little bit of that in the cavity, and I definitely want to keep some for something else. And I want to cook these chickpeas, but you've not given me stock. So I'm going to uh, cook the chickpeas. I have water, right? (laughs) You have to give me water. Water and um, a little bit of rosemary in the water. And I would like to put a couple pieces, this might be funny, but of the salami in the water because I want to get some real flavor in there. and I know those those peppers and that sausage are probably really, really good. So I'll just cu- put a couple of slices in. Actually, what I'll do is I'll, I'll saute, I'll, I'll slice it, um, work it in the pan so the fat starts to come out, and then do a small dice of onion, a little finely chopped shallot and garlic, and work that in with that fat, and then add water, a little bit of rosemary, and let that work for a while so it flavors, and then begin to add the chickpeas because they take a very, very long time to cook. Um, and eventually, at the end, I'll add some uh, salt to it so that it does, but you don't want to add that salt from the beginning. It's You just no. can't cook beans in that. So at some point, you'll be able to add salt to it. And a, you know, A pretty good cheat for chickpeas, mm-hmm. water, a little bit of wine vinegar, and bay. Okay. Because you can keep adding the water if you need to because they cook for so long. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course. And then, so those are going to be great. And I kind of love the idea of having these English peas and adding the peas to the chickpeas, which would be really, really fun. And the idea of the sorrel also. So sorrel is lemony and it's just this wonderful, fresh herb lettuce thing, if you will, and the spring onions. So it's it's definitely going to be, this is all going to happen for the guinea fowl. Um, so, you know, you've got the chickpeas and then right at the end, check it for seasoning. Um, and then I'll, I'll just add the English peas at the end. They can cook and all of that beautifully. Um, maybe, uh, grill this. Well, no, I'm not going to grill the spring. I'm just going to chop, like bias cut the spring onion from top to bottom and add that at the end, the sorrel, chiffonade that, add that right at the end. And, um, yeah, that'll just be super fun. I'm going to slice the baguette, leave it whole. I'm going to thinly slice the salami and put it on there. And I'm going to drizzle a little bit of that honey on there, which would be really fun and something I wouldn't have thought of and add a little bit of the, um, uh, a little bit of garlic, sort of rub the garlic on that toast before I add that to it. Have I used everything? Oh, mint. Hmm. Nope. I have to use the mint somehow. I don't really have anywhere for it. I guess I could add it at the end of the chickpeas, but it's not something that comes to mind. I wonder what that would it's, do. That you, might be kind of fun, kind of fresh, put, but not with the sorrel. No, you no. You can put the mint in cold just... water and have nice, cool, minty water to drink while you're cooking. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because the sorrel is really going to be kind of yeah. super cool with those spring onions and those chickpeas. Yeah, no, I, I like that the idea that almost like warm salad that you have going. Yeah, that would be fun. for for the like the guinea fowl. 
Yeah, I oh, like that. The broth. So what are we going to drink with that? All that. Ooh, it's a lot. Uh, gosh, there's a, a range of things. Uh, you could drink great big Chardonnay with it, but I don't know that I would want that as much. I would something, want something a little more savory than that. Uh, maybe a, a white San Joseph or a, a white Chateau de Pop. Something along those lines would work with it well. Uh, frankly, a really big dry uh, Riesling from Austria, oh. from the Wachau. Oh, that would be so pretty. With some bottle age on it. Oh, I can would, smell would, it would right give, now. Would give some charm to it and pick up some of the herbs. Mm. And they're, they're not sweet in any way. Mm-hmm. But that might be fun. I neglected to put wine with the my pork business. Oh, okay. So what would you serve with that? I just want something like big and vulgar, you know, bundle, something like that. Deal with that little, the, the cumin and the ramp accent at the end. Okay. Mostly Mavedra, but but some Grenache in there as well. And the scallops? And the scallops, Sancerre. It's kind of an easy with the, with the parsnips. And, yeah. <laughs> some Viognier. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Chef Wolf does not like a viognier. <laughs> what dessert would you put with your uh, your food? Or would you have cheese afterwards? Oh, all I can the think of The scallop and the pork. The scallop. So if it's scallop first course, pork main course. Um, all, all I want is torta de pasco right now because I was in Italy and had, yeah. mm. you know, that it's a little bit like panettone but more springy and has green almonds and honey and, and candied citrus and all that kind of business. But it requires a glass of really good sparkling wine, champagne or uh, that would be a nice way know, to end. Cremant or mm. you know, Cremant. Some like what that. the Italians call bolloncine. Ooh, neat. Yeah, love it. So, but that's yeah. Now, okay, I'm gonna have to make that meal then. Yeah, with mine, I want a strawberry mifoy with all the strawberries. Well, this time of the year, really good pastry cream. And yeah, so basically, like a little stack Napoleon, like of rectangles yeah. of pastry. Uh, pastry cream, uh, like perfect strawberry. Oh, that would be yeah. so good. What's fun is watching a child crush it with a fork so it just kind of explodes <laughs> all over the plate. I love that. I <laughs> love that. They are hard so, to eat. It's, yeah. I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> uh, not not for my five-year-old. There you go. <laughs> Especially if you can use your hands. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, yeah, they'll like just that. pull it apart. <laughs> so what do you, like 30-second question. Mm Because we're almost out of time. Strawberries, besides making a cooked thing, how would you use strawberries not cooked in a savory item? How would you like to? Because I have a weird thing stuck in my head. Not cooked, but in a savory item. Um, Well, I mean, it's so so good with the magre. Instead of cooking it, uh, what we talked about earlier with the – you said 30 seconds. (laughs) I did say 30 seconds. You're done. What's in my head? Oh, here is, we go. Is, is a chilled <laughs> is a chilled asparagus salad, slices of nice sweet strawberry. Yes. Okay. A little balsamico. Yes. Extra virgin olive oil, parmigiano. Strawberries and parm. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 No. I'll make it for you. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be just fine. All right. So it's big rich glass of suave classico. Right. I like. Good. I love strawberries and asparagus together. So. All right. You're 30, all right. Yeah. You're bad at thirty <laughs> seconds. That's all we have time for on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. If you want to download this program or any one of our other podcasts, go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page. If you want to correspond with us via email, it's foremanwolf at wypr.org. 
If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>